following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. flight, we arrived at the Ben-Gurion airport in Israel. Then by motorcade, we made our way to Tiberias and found a hotel, unpacked our things, and began to tour Israel. I was so excited about being in Israel. I had always wanted to go It was one of my fondest dreams to visit Israel. The next day, we began the tour on the Sea of Galilee. We began to see places where Jesus had done miraculous things. 
But by the end of the second day, I found myself very, very depressed. I'm not a person who usually gets depressed, but that day, I said, in fact, to one of my friends who was there, I wish I had not come to Israel. And he was shocked. He said, Ray, why would you say that? I said, because in Tel Aviv, I see all of the wickedness that I see in Washington, D.C. In Tiberias, as we walked the streets that evening, there was every unclean thing. And I said, it's as though Jesus was never here. I wanted to see at least the result of Jesus having been here, but it's as though he was never present. I was very troubled. By the end of the tour of Israel, a week later, I was absolutely delighted I had come. I had been to the tomb. I'd stood in that empty tomb and shouted, He has risen! He has risen! With tears streaming down my face. I had seen in that garden of Gethsemane those beautiful old olive trees that are still there, the same ones. If you have an opportunity to go to Israel, go. By all means, go. Sacrifice whatever you have to do. But go to Israel and visit the places where Jesus walked. But if you're like me, there will also be a sore disappointment in your soul because you will see the wickedness and you'll see that Israel never turned to Jesus. Now I went to the Wailing Wall. I even was afforded the opportunity to go deep underground to the very base of those huge stones that make up the Wailing Wall. I saw the Jewish men humbly bowing and weeping before the wall, asking that their temple could be rebuilt. They believe that the Messiah cannot come until the temple is rebuilt. As I watched all of this, my heart was deeply stirred. I prayed there. But I also wondered... Didn't Jesus prophesy that all of these stones would be turned over, that not one stone would remain on another, and yet here were these huge blocks, the huge stone face called the Wailing Wall. There was the Temple Mount with the Islamic building setting prominently with a golden roof. I said, how is this possible? Did Jesus not know the future? And recently I've begun to read about archaeological finds that thoughtful Christian and Jewish archaeologists are saying the Temple Mount is probably not the place where the temple stood that it instead is in the old Jebusite village 
the original, close to the old palace of King David, and they have now discovered the remains of the old palace. But of the temple they have not yet found very much. But still they believe that that's where it is be found. They believe now that that great temple mount is not a temple mount, but was in fact the Roman garrison's camp, 6,000 soldiers plus another three or four support, thousand support staff. I'm glad I went to Israel. I'm glad I walked where Jesus walked. I felt very much at home in Israel. I found the people to be beautiful, friendly, warm. I felt at home there. In fact, I told my Jewish guide, a tough tough man, a strong man, a man who'd been in the war. We were going to the Mount of Olives, and I said to him, This is where my home's going to be. He turned and he looked at me and he said, Pastor, you will never have a home on the Mount of Olives. I said, Oh, that's not true. I will have a home on the Mount of Olives. He said, What do you mean? I said, The Bible tells us that the Mount of Olives is going to split right down the middle. And it's going to open up and there will be a great plain established when Jesus steps down on it. And the holy city is coming down and that holy city is going to be my home. He just turned and walked away. But it's true. I am going to live on the Mount of Olives. Now, Why am I talking about this? If you go to Mark, the 13th chapter, it says, As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, Jesus said? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And it is so. Those stones were all thrown down. Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives as they have walked out of Jerusalem. He was teaching in the temple. They have walked out that short distance to the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew begin to ask him questions in private. Verse 4, tell us, when will all these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. 
There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of the birth pangs. And you must be on your guard. Verse 10, And the gospel, that is, the announcement of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God has come, it is amongst us. This message must be preached to all nations. Whenever you're arrested and you're brought to trial, don't worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for you are not speaking but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death. A father, his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. And all men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. A preacher stood this last week in the United Kingdom. And he was street preaching the gospel of Jesus. And a policeman came up to him and said, Stop! We are not interested in hearing about your Jesus. And if you continue to preach, I'm going to arrest you and put you in prison. We're at that day. Now, Matthew gives us an even more clear picture of what this day will look like. Let me share part of this with you. Now, please, I'm going to tell you now why I'm sharing all of this with you. The disciples could not comprehend that the Jewish state was not going to continue forever as it was. They believed that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ would take over Israel and that Israel would submit and that then a kingdom would be established and Rome would be kicked out. That was not to happen in their lifetime. But they're very concerned. They can't imagine the temple being destroyed. It had been destroyed twice. First, when the Babylonians came and burned it. And then it was going to be destroyed when Rome came and burned it. Titus. They could not imagine these things. Well, Jesus, in chapter 24 of Matthew, left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And I want to tell you that has been fulfilled. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Today many pastors have come claiming that they have the message of Christ 
and they have deceived many. He says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes in various places. All of these are just the beginning of birth pangs. Now, Jesus has a very difficult task to do here. He needs to tell the disciples what's going to happen. He needs to tell them what's going to happen in their lifetime as they see Jerusalem destroyed. But he also needs to tell them about what's going to come at the end of the age. In a sense, there are two ages ending here. There is the age of of the temple. And it's going to be burned. There's also the end of the age when the earth is going to be burned. In verse 12, he says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That literally means that someone is going to breathe gently. The demon power, the worldliness, the flesh will breathe gently on those who call themselves Christians. And it's going to chill them. It's going to make them lukewarm or cold-hearted. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Please hear me when I say this. the end will come. The end will come. And I don't want that end to catch you unaware. Every strategy of the devil is being employed, both in the church and out of the church, to cause you to cool down and not be on fire for Jesus. He says, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, and that's a whole nother story. Antiochus coming into the temple and offering pig flesh, utterly desecrating the temple. But it's going to happen again. A third temple will be rebuilt. They will have their temple, and they must have it, they think, to see their Messiah come. Christians think it must be built as a sign that the seven-year period has begun. Now, I don't know about all of that. But what I do know is that the end is going to come. And then he begins to talk about if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. 
for false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive, if possible, even the elect. That's where we live today. That's where we live today. The message of Jesus is very simple. You must leave your sin. It is possible to leave your sin by the power of the blood of Jesus. And if you do not, you will not be saved, and the end will catch you like a trap. Then in verse 27, he says, For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. The Son of Man is not going to come in a secret rapture and help you escape the tribulation that is coming. And many righteous men and women will die in that tribulation. It is coming. When Jesus comes, every eye will see him. He will be visible everywhere on the earth from east to west. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. You know what I do every morning when I awaken? The first thing I listen for, can I hear the trumpet of God blowing? It's time. It's time. He says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all of these things have happened. What generation? The generation that begins to see all of these signs fulfilled. Fifty years ago, you would have been hard-pressed to find any real signs of the coming of Jesus. But now the signs are everywhere. Famines, earthquakes, volcanoes weather anomalies it's as though everything is going crazy on the earth and the increase of wickedness has become so great how do we even begin to wrap our minds around a governor in the state of Virginia who believes in infanticide the killing of a baby let alone abortion. That's bad enough. That's hideous. It's, it's wretched. It's wicked. But infanticide? No. In ancient Rome, infanticide was common. 
in many pagan cultures, infanticide is common. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ that put an end to this. And now America is turning and going back to paganism. Our governor in Virginia is a pagan. He's not a Christian man. He's a pagan. And many others are leading us in the direction of paganism. Now, heaven and earth, it says, will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the end, at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, the other left. When Jesus comes in glory, one person in the family will be welcomed into the kingdom of Jesus, while the other member of the family will be cast into the depths of hell. So Jesus says, Keep watch. Keep watch. Solomon said, Guard your heart. Guard your heart. It's tragic that Solomon did not guard his heart. But the word is true today. Guard your heart. Keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have had and would not have had his house broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So Jesus is saying, Look, when I come in the second coming, there are going to be famines and earthquakes you're going to see all kinds of strange things. Nation is going to rise up against nation. There will be wars and rumors of war. India, Pakistan, Iran, America. There will be wars everywhere. It's been so many years that we've been at war as an American nation that it's hard to remember a time when we were at peace if it wasn't Vietnam, it was Iraq. If it's not Iraq, it's Afghanistan or Syria or some other nation. As the one world government begins to emerge and then the Antichrist will appear. As we look at all of this, Jesus is saying, Stand firm to the end. Don't let your love grow cold 
for Jesus. And I can tell you right now, many of you listening to this broadcast, your hearts have grown tired and discouraged. The war has been intense in your life. See, I'm not interested today in just coming and bringing information to you. I'm much more concerned today about coming and saying, look, everything in the future, everything for eternity depends on your opening your heart to Jesus and walking in obedience to his command. read a wonderful book it was written by George Watson he wrote about the remedy for heart wanderings in the book Beauty for Ashes I want to give you some of what he said because this directly applies to your guarding your heart and not allowing your love to grow cold for Jesus. He said, first and foremost, you must have great self-abasement. What's he mean? You must humble your heart before God. And you must begin to recognize everything in your life that tears you away from your love for He says you must have an absolutely fixed determination in your heart to be right with God. Are you right today with Jesus? Or would you say, oh, there are things in my life that I need to work on. Would you say you are right with Jesus today? Has your heart been humbled before him? Or are you busy with all the things of this life? There was a man I dearly loved. I would speak with him about Jesus. I was not able to get through because he believed he was saved. But when things did not go his way, curses flowed from his mouth. He was always smiling on the outside, but when something disturbed him, bitterness flowed from his heart. Bottom line, he was a very angry man. He loved the professional sports. He loved to spend time watching the games. He loved to get together with the guys, have a cigar. He loved to to go places that were enjoyable. He loved to vacation and tour, travel. But then he died. And there was no time for him to deal with his angry heart. He didn't even know it was wrong. 
There was no time to deal with his cursing heart because he didn't know it was wrong. He had never humbled himself before God. He was freely willing to accept the gift of salvation and add that to his already full life. But when it came to dying, he was not prepared. He was not ready, and he was unwilling to even consider the possibility that he was not ready. There is required of us a great self-abasement, a humbling of our hearts before Almighty God. I was noting Mr. Cohen as he gave testimony recently in the Congress. He said, Because I lie does not mean I'm a liar. Because I do bad things does not mean I'm a bad person. How wrong can he possibly be? A man who lies is a liar. A man who does bad things is a bad man. And Paul very clearly says, you're all liars. You're all bad. There's not one of you who searches out. All of our heart that searches after Jesus is by the grace of God. Colossians, the third chapter. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I ask you, is your life hidden with Christ in God today, or are you a liar? Are you a bad person because of what you do? With God, everything is about what you do. It's not about some sentimental relationship. It's not some lying theology. It is what you do that makes you who you are. And Paul in the book of Colossians, the third chapter, is saying, set your minds on things above, not on anything but Jesus. Verse 5, mortify your body of sin. That's the King James Version, but in the NIV, Colossians, the third chapter says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Understand today, the end is here. We are coming now to the end of the final age of earth's history under this demonic presence of the devil. And you must choose whom you will serve. Will you serve the living God of heaven? Or will you serve the darkness? It says you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, 
But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Jesus is saying that when he comes, it's going to be a normal day for you. It will be a normal day. You will go to your work. You will prepare breakfast. You'll stop by the coffee shop. You'll do all the things you normally do. Now, is your heart ready for Jesus to come? Have you humbled your heart in great self-abasement? Do you have a fixed determination in your soul to get right and to be right with God, not walking in any known sin? Do you have a determination in your heart to have a steady and constant looking to Jesus. Do you have a fixed determination to not give way to discouragement? Oh, my brother, my sister, Very negative things can happen in our lives. We can be trapped in the worst places. And if we give way to negative thinking, if we give way to depression and discouragement, we've lost the battle. And Satan will steal from us our love for Jesus. And everything will become about me. Everything will be about what I want and what I need. Literally, we must encircle our life with self-denial. We must take a stand and let the Lord God of heaven guard our hearts. Paul continues, this is Colossians 3.12, Therefore is God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you're called to peace. And be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. 
with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you understand? We are called to live for Jesus. The Christian faith is not an add-on. It consumes us. It takes over our lives. Jesus is saying in Matthew, I'm coming. Be ready. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. I expect Jesus to come today. And if he doesn't come today, my ear is attuned for tomorrow for the sound of the trumpet. I want to go with Jesus. My heart cry is, Jesus, I must be with you. I love you. Now, as long as I'm here, Jesus, tell me what you want me to do today. Give me my assignment. Before I came to this microphone, I was before the Lord in prayer. You've sent me down to the radio today. Jesus, put your word in my mouth. I've been praying for several days about this broadcast and crying out to the Lord about it, asking him to quicken it in your hearts. I have set apart Christ as Lord in my life. He is my boss. He is everything to me. Is he to you? Are you ready for Jesus to come? Jesus is coming again. Do you understand? Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming. Do you know that? Is your life unclean before him? Have you been lifted up in pride? Have you been caught in the worldliness? Do you love the entertainment of the world or have you separated yourself and your whole focus is now on reading the word, praying, guarding your heart by praying constantly? Is that the cry of your heart? First Peter, First Peter, the fourth chapter. End of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gifts he's received to serve others. To understand. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves today before and under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up in due time. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. 
Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Are you ready for Jesus to come? The end of the age is upon us. We have come to the end. Wars and rumors of war. Famine. Every unclean thing bursting forth, even infanticide, murder. Every unclean thing is happening. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus to come? Almighty God, I look, I listen, and I see the sign that we have come to the end of the age, that you are ready to come, that there's going to be a great upheaval and tribulation that descends upon us as the banking system fails, as on every hand men and women are dying, dying of disease or sickness or famine. Lord, I see that we're about ready to enter a turbulent storm that will end up with your coming in glory. Lord, I pray today for every person listening to this broadcast, that they would not take lightly the words, guard your heart, that they would not take lightly the word that the devil is their enemy and he's active and alive and he's coming after them with every power he has to destroy them. Lord, please, Would you quicken the heart of your people today? Would you cause great humbling to take place in our hearts? Would you cause us, Lord, to have a fixed determination to be right with you? Lord, let all the decisions be made and everything of darkness cast out. Lord, some who are listening need to go home and clean their houses. They have pornographic videos hidden in their cupboard. If we were to go and look at the history on their home computer, many would have pornography. Lord, many have lied and cheated and stolen. Lord, many listeners today are not ready for you to come. Lord, there must be a great awakening. It must begin with me and with each precious person listening. Lord, would you come now by the power of your Holy Spirit to prepare a people to meet you in the sky at the end of the age? Lord, would you come and supernaturally 
begin to invade the life of every person who has listened to this broadcast? Would you invade their life and begin to totally remake them into the image of Jesus? Lord, we deliberately choose today to humble our hearts before you and to fix our eyes on you and not to be governed by anything of this world or of the flesh or of the devil, but to follow you, Jesus, to follow you closely, to search after you with all of our hearts. Almighty King, there has to be a change in Washington. We're not going to stop infanticide by simply being upset about it, Jesus. You're going to have to come and change the hearts of men and women. And we're going to have to stand up and say, it's sin, it's wrong, it's evil, it's murder. Stop it, Lord. Would you come and move among us? Lord Jesus, we need the victory. We have come to the end of the age. We are not saved because we have loved the things of darkness, the things of the earth. Lord, there's that old hymn that I love so much. The things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Lord, could we see your glory and grace now? Lord, I know that there are men and women who need to make that decision right. Lord, they need to make a decision right now to get right with you to repent of their sin, to admit the hardness of their heart and the wickedness of their spirit. Would you do that work in them now? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. If you're serious about wanting to change everything in your life, want to be with some other people who are equally determined that they will be right with Jesus, then I invite you to come on Sunday. I invite you to come to a house church, the National Prayer Chapel, where we are learning how to pray. The National Prayer Chapel tried to go the traditional church route. It didn't work. We've now totally reconfigured through the prayer closet, and we are now totally non-institutional. We are a family that loves each other and that loves Jesus, and we're determined to walk clean with him. Pray for one another. If you would like to be a part, I'm going to give you a phone number. Jot it down. Call me and I'll give you directions for how to come. We start at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning and we end promptly at 12. Children are welcome. This is the number. 703-489-1111 
1785. Now I thank each of you who has contributed with offerings to Jesus to help cover the cost of radio. And the month, this month, February is covered. We'll begin now everything that comes in going toward March. I'd love to hear from you. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. You can give online by going to nationalprayerchapel.com, and I thank those of you who've done that. That helped put us over the top. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com and you'll see the donate button. You can also listen to this message and many others that are right there available for you free of charge. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I pray you know we're at the end of the age. It's time to be ready to go to heaven, to give everything to Jesus. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. For the presence of His glory with great joy, with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus.